The Buffalo Bills have been eliminated. The New York Giants hired someone. And we are here to preview the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. All here on another Damn Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to another Damn Sports Podcast. Once again, I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilchrist. That was a crazy-ass wildcard weekend. There were so many good games, so many close games. Even the Eagles-Seahawks game was closer than we thought. So we're going to talk about all of that and more. Plus, the uh, beginning of the NFL coaching search for all of the bad teams in the NFL has begun and is begun and, uh, at a weird spot. Yeah, Mike's feeling weird about his Giants. Uh, but first, why don't we start with the Vikings versus the Saints? That's the first game we were going to cover, right? Yeah, that was a uh, – I figured the – you know, this was a game that everybody had. It was the biggest line of the weekend. Like, everybody had the Saints winning by a touchdown. It was like 7.8 or something. This was the game that was supposed to be just the brush over, blowout game. Saints were going to win at home. And, you know, Kirk Cousins can't play well in the big games. Uh, I think he can uh, start saying that he can play well in the big games. And this maybe this will be the start of something big for Kirk Cousins uh, through a Great late pass to Thielen mm-hmm. in overtime and uh, the walk-off touchdown to Rudolph, which I don't think was pass interference. Some people are saying it was, but I don't think so. Um, were you impressed with how Kirk Cousins played uh, Sunday? Oh, absolutely. He did what he needed to do to win against a team that's supposed to be very good, you yeah. know, in, a, in New Orleans. Uh, and obviously the uh, the narrative is that Kirk Cousins is bad against good teams. Uh, he's also bad in prime time, but technically this wasn't prime time, even if it wasn't nationally televised games. So I actually made that joke to somebody over the weekend. I said, well, you know, it's playing at one o'clock, so it'll feel like a normal game for Kirk Cousins. Maybe he won't get overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the Vikings stuck with their game plan, which was expected. They they ran Dalvin Cook to the ground, which uh, worked to perfection. I mean, oh, Dalvin yeah. Cook is an elite running back. Like I, Every time I watch this guy play, I'm always like, why the hell – did the Jags draft Leonard Fournette when this guy was on the board? You know, like I'd rather have a guy like Dalvin Cook than Leonard Fournette that just barrels down the field and gets tackled by the first guy he touches. Whereas Dalvin Cook, he is so elusive. He mm-hmm. sheds tackles. He jukes people out constantly. And uh, the Vikings have a solid back. Um, and like you said, Adam Thielen with the clutch catch at the end, but he actually fumbled it at the beginning of the game. So he he uh, definitely redeemed himself. It, it looked like they were in for a rough start. Yeah. When that happens, like, oh, well, there goes the Vikings. The small chance they did have is starting to go away already. They're already kicking themselves. And uh, Drew Brees and the Saints did not play well. I mean, Drew Brees had an interception, and he also fumbled it late in the game when it was around, I think the score was 20 to 17. Mm-hmm. And New Orleans was, you know, I think around the 30 yard line. They were line. driving, man. I they were driving. They were I, I thought this was where they were going to, you know, put up the touchdown to go up ahead and then the Vikings would come on the field to try to score late, but they wouldn't be able to pull it off. That's what it looked like. And Drew Brees fumbled the ball. It was right after Taysom Hill had that really long, really long running play. Oh, he's the only person that generated any offense for them in this game. Oh, yeah. So you're right, though. Drew Brees struggled mightily. I mean, he was efficient, 26 for 33. I mean, that's a classic Drew Brees stat line. But he only threw for 208 yards, one touchdown and one pick, and then that crucial fumble. So – Obviously, he was struggling, and everybody was surprised because you know he was a—he's he, an MVP caliber talent every single year. He had a QBR of fifty-one point eight. You know that's not that great. His overall rating was a ninety, but the QBR, which takes in a number of different factors, only had him at fifty-one point eight. And this, the most you can get is a hundred. So, not the greatest performance from Drew Brees. But it's funny to me how every single time there's an overtime game in the playoffs, the team that loses, there's always this narrative of like, well, they need to change the overtime rules. 
And actually, this matchup is what changed the overtime rules that we have now. Because when they played each other in the NFC Championship game a number of years ago when it was Brett Favre versus uh, Drew Brees, uh, the Saints got the ball first and kicked a field goal, won the game. You know, the Vikings, people in that camp and everybody were like, well, you know, if the Vikings got a chance, to, that was such a good game. The fact that they didn't get a chance to, you know, answer was really ridiculous. That was back in the day where if you got the ball first and you just got in field goal range, you just kicked the field goal, game was over. So they changed it. They made it so if you kick a field goal, then the other team gets a chance to get it. But if you score a touchdown, then it's over. Now that the Vikings scored a touchdown in the first possession, it's like, well, you know, they never got a chance to possess the ball. I, I am so sick of this. Like the Saints, they are way too good of a team to be losing the game, quote unquote, because of the refs or because of the rules. Like this is ridiculous. This is a team that is stacked with talent. You have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, Taysom Hill is nasty. So you should definitely be playing better than you did. I definitely was outraged by the fact that the Saints lost last year the way they did with that no call. Yeah. I was outraged by that no call. But at the same time, I had to step back and say, well, did they have a chance after that to win the game? And Easily. they did. They got the ball first in overtime last year. Yeah, exactly. So if they scored a touchdown last year on the first possession, nobody would be complaining about, about the no call. Exactly. So it's like, I, I don't know. The Saints, you just got to win. You, you got to win in the playoffs. You have to win in the wild card. You're playing at home for a reason because you were a solid team during the regular season and you just laid an egg, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a that that was another one of those games that got away from the Saints. And you know, their last two playoff losses before this one was the Minnesota Miracle. Mm-hmm. And then they lost last year at home in overtime versus the Rams. They decided to merge those two situations together. They lost to Minnesota <laughs> at home in overtime. So where do you think the Saints go from here? Do you think they just roll in with the same roster? Well, I don't know. Drew Brees' contract's up. He's one of those quarterbacks. I mean, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, all these guys, their quarterback, their contracts are up. They're older players. You know, I know the Saints and the uh, organization and the city love Drew Brees, but are they going to look to move on to something else? I feel like you have to, if you can, if Brees is willing, you sign the guy to like a one- or two-year deal. Yeah, because you, you still have a team loaded with talent, and as good as Teddy Bridgewater looked at the beginning of the season, he's not a guy that can carry this team to the promised land. I mean, but, obviously Drew Brees hasn't looked like that either in the playoffs, but no, but they showed that they can win with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, that's so true. it's I'm not saying they're going to move on from Drew Brees to Teddy Bridgewater by any means, because I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to get a deal somewhere. Yeah, for his performance in the break. I mean, look at Nick Foles. I mean, he right. he played well in the playoffs, and he he won a Super Bowl, mind you. But he still got a deal for playing well. And so, so did Brissett when he played well for the Patriots. That's why he got the deal he got with the Colts. Right, exactly. So these guys get changed. Once a quarterback in the NFL shows any sort of positive play for a consistent amount of time, they're just going to get money thrown at them because good quarterback play is so scarce in the NFL. Here's somebody that if the Saints – I doubt he'll fall as far as where the Saints will be in the draft. But if Tua somehow fell because people are skeptical about his injury – they have to take him. Oh, 100%. That's somebody that the, that the Saints should take. Yeah. Going from Drew Brees to Tua, Tua is going to be a, a good young NFL quarterback. I think he's going to be fine. That would be a smart move for New Orleans. I don't think it'll come to that. He'll probably I get say, scooped up by Miami. But, yeah. you know, you never know. Sometimes quarterbacks that you think would go high fall in the draft. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He fell to 24th. That's true. So it can always happen. But it, you're right. I think Tua is going to end up getting drafted by the Dolphins. But the Saints definitely have – a decision to make in terms of Drew Brees because that'll be a huge change. Yeah. If someone else is playing quarterback for the Saints, 
Mm -hmm. That's huge because Drew Brees has been a staple there for years. And a lot of speculation was going on about Sean Payton possibly going to the Cowboys job because he worked for Bill Parcells in Dallas. And to be such a huge fuck you to the New Orleans fans, though. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you build such a culture there and then you just leave. Like, yeah. That sucks. So thankfully that didn't happen. But, you know, it, it, unfortunately players uh, get older and they have to either retire or move yeah. on somewhere else. We're seeing that with a lot of the big quarterbacks of our generation. It's going to be an interesting offseason for sure to see where these guys go. I mean, maybe none of them go anywhere. Maybe the Chargers hold on to Phillip Rivers. Maybe the Saints <laughs> hold on to uh, to Drew Brees. And maybe New England holds on to Tom Brady. We, we yeah. don't know. I mean, that's it's all definitely likely. Right you know, like the, the Phillip Rivers, judging from your face, yeah, that's definitely the least likely that he stays in LA. I don't but. know. The GM came out and said he loves Philip Rivers and that he's a, he thinks he can still play at an elite level. So I don't know. Yeah, he's probably just being nice. I would think so. And he's probably advocating for him to get a job on another team because he likes the guy. Yeah. That could be a huge reason. Although, I mean, that's going to be a tough move for him. I mean, wherever he goes, he's got, he's <laughs> got, a, he's got a wife and, and, and 20 kids, you know, take with him wherever he goes. So we'll see. Uh, but I want to get back to the Minnesota Vikings because I think that everyone's talking about how the Saints, and it's true, the Saints were a good team in the regular season. They really laid an egg here, but we got to credit Minnesota for playing as well as they did. Defensively, we knew that, you know, Coach Zimmer has a defensive background and that uh, Minnesota was going to be a good defensive team this year, but they really came out and played really well to hold the Saints to what they did, and they stuck to their identity of running the ball, and I think that when they go into uh, San Francisco next week, I would think they would stick to the same formula. I mean, that's they're sticking with who they are. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that. We'll hold off on that conversation when we bring Steve onto the podcast, yeah. but no, I, I totally agree. I mean, they had to stick with the same formula because it worked. They ran Dalvin Cook 28 times for 94 yards and two touchdowns. So I can't imagine they won't do the same yeah. uh, unless the game turns into a shootout. And Kirk Cousins did not throw a pick. Like uh, They had one fumble in the game, but really Minnesota was playing a clean football game. Yeah. And they controlled the time of possession. They'll have to do that. You know, again, we'll get more into it when Steve gets on. But they just really went into a very tough environment in New Orleans. It's very tough to win down there in the regular season or the playoffs. And uh, just executed, executed their game plan. And – uh only built their confidence. Yeah. I, I love seeing that video of Kirk Cousins afterwards speaking to the team. And then he goes, you like that? Like, yeah, that's, that's, his thing. Thing. that's his thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and everybody in the locker room just like roared and went excited. So it's really, uh, I feel really good for the Minnesota Vikings. And I, I hope they do well against San Francisco. Yep. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with the Saints with another disappointing end to the NFL's 100th season for them. And uh, we'll move on to the next games. That's how we've won all year, team, right? Hey, you held them to 20 points, man. You gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah! All right, joining us now on the podcast is a recurring guest of ours. He is the uh, biggest Vikings fan we both know. Uh, Steve Demblaker, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Steve, congratulations. The Vikings are in the divisional round. They went to New Orleans and they won. How awesome was that? Skull. <laughs> no, it was uh, pretty awesome. I mean, having pretty much every commentator, every analyst, I mean, I didn't see, I think, anyone pick the Vikings except for maybe even Chris Carter, but he probably didn't even <laughs> didn't even pick them that morning either. And honestly, even as a fan going in, obviously you always, like, hope that your team's going to win, but uh, the Saints have been looking so good lately at the end of the season too, which is the right time to be performing. So going into the Superdome, I – I was definitely skeptical, but even from the get-go, that first half when we got out to a good start, I was pretty optimistic, and then it slowly started 
coming back for the Saints. So it definitely started getting nervous, but that final drive in OT was probably one of the best things I've seen the Vikings since last time they played the Saints in the playoffs. So, Well, I remember before the game, I was watching the Fox pregame with Kristen, and mm-hmm. every single one of the analysts was predicting a 17-point margin that the Saints were going to win by. And I turned to Chris, I was like, that's a little ridiculous. Like, like I understand that the Saints are favored, but 17 points, like people are really sleeping on the Vikings. And obviously they did, right? Yeah, especially the defense. I mean, we're, we're not like a flashy defense like we were, I mean, back in the day when we had like Jared Allen on the line, but we do have one of the best like D linemen and Hunter like in the game right now and stuff. And our secondaries. They can give up some big points, but usually their bend not break defense not as good as the Bills, I would say. But like I would say in a similar aspect of that. So I mean, yeah, I was I was in a similar boat watching the pregame. I mean, like I said, a lot of experts and pretty much everyone wrote them off to begin with. But to not think it would be a competitive game, I think was a little bit of a slap in the face. But hey, maybe that convinced the team to go out there and play even harder besides just playoffs to show that they do deserve to be in the NFC like pitcher to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, throughout the entire pregame and throughout the entire broadcast of the game, everything kept coming back to Kirk Cousins can't win in big games. That's all you heard. That's all everybody was thinking. They kept bringing up the stat line of always like 0-9 on Monday Night Football. He has a losing record against teams with winning records. And he played an outstanding game. He was really clutching in the overtime period. How good as a Vikings fan did you feel about getting this monkey off your guys' shoulders and his shoulders for that matter? Yeah, um that's exactly right Mike I mean it's even as a fan like that's probably the number one thing going in is that I was feeling too is that Kirk Cousins can't win the big one and I mean being a fan that's a pretty shitty thing to think about your quarterback but I mean how do you go 0-9 on Monday Night Football with two different teams that's pretty pretty atrocious but yeah for for him to go out and have such a good game I mean and like an excellent game actually he's been having a like honestly a sleeper good season a lot of quarterbacks and not a lot of people are talking about him because of like you said the monkey he had on his back with that he can't win in prime time or he can't win the big playoff games um so for him to go out there and do that I mean it's got to give confidence and not just obviously him but like even like his receivers like the whole offense and then the team in in general um for him to come out and play like that it's it's got to be amazing and like you said just a huge pressure off of him uh as, as mike said or told me earlier uh kirk cousins only six interceptions on the uh on the season which is uh definitely surprising so obviously he takes care of the ball he is he's always been a solid quarterback i think he's always gotten the short end of the stick and Mike, Mike talked about earlier about how after the game in, in the locker room, he had the whole, you like that thing that he always does. And the, the team, they loved it. So like, obviously the team is rooting for this guy to finally shut up the media, shut up the doubters. And it sounds like he did that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he definitely shut me up <laughs> when he threw that pass up for Thielen in overtime. I was actually, uh, cause my girlfriend doesn't have cable and she, she's a Vikings fan now that, I'm a Vikings fan, so she likes watching. So I actually had it up on FaceTime, and I had her watching it through my phone on the TV. And when that went up, like, I literally just stood up and I knocked it down. And she's screaming, what happened? And part of my French, I was like, fuck, yeah, just running around (laughs) my apartment. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, for him to go into overtime like that, like, I I mean, he impressed me. And then even the next play, like, not to – well, a little bit of a humble brag here. When we were on that play. I was like, all right, we're going to try to give it to Cook. And then if not, I was like, it's got to be a play action to root off in the corner. Right. And then third down, I was so nervous. And then when that ball went up and 
not being biased here, that might have been a little bit of a <laughs> pass interference in the offense, but they were they were kind of fighting for hand position there. So I was obviously happy with the no call, but I I was I was a little humble brag proud of my play call there. I was like, I mean, you gotta do play action to Rudolph in the corner, like biggest guy in the field, pretty much. I like, think they were both jogging for position there. Yeah, I don't think there was a pass yeah. interference at all. I, I think people are just looking for something to complain about. I mean, the, the Saints fans they always look for a reason other than the fact that their team didn't show up. Yeah, and uh, I mean, a lot of the analysts were saying that too, but I think they actually had one of the NFL, like the uh, referee in New York, come in and say that he would have called it pass interference. So I apparently there is a kind of a little bit of a, I guess, argument there. But like you guys said, I mean. You, you guys yeah. got the W. That's all <laughs> hey. that matters, right? Yeah, exactly. And because yeah. of that, so. they will be traveling to San Francisco this weekend. It'll be the first game of the uh, divisional round. You can catch it on NBC at 4 o'clock. Uh, we, you, you were talking about Kirk Cousins has had a very sleeper good season. He's 26 touchdowns, six interceptions, he, so he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And the Vikings are a team that really like to ground and pound with Cook, and they really did that in, in New Orleans. And if they want to have any success against this San Francisco defense, they're going to have to do that again. What are your expectations going into Saturday's game? Um, honestly, just the same of the Saints. Obviously, being the sixth seed, we're going to be an underdog, and especially going into San Fran's like um, home field advantage, it's going to be tough. But like you said, um, an offense like ours can travel, even though a lot don't in the NFL, um, especially our run-first mindset. I mean, Cook's been running having an amazing season pretty much and so hopefully we can go in there and establish the run like we did against new orleans and then hopefully get out to another good lead and uh, it's kind of cocky of me to say this but out of anyone i'd almost rather play the 49ers right now because one green bay has our number so i didn't really want to go into lambo in december so if we had to go to one of the two i'd rather go to san fran and their defense has honestly been giving up a lot of points at the end of the year, which is kind of optimistic for me. So, I mean, like I said, we're definitely going to be the underdogs, but if they play the way they did against New Orleans, they can definitely go in and get the W. Well, the good thing for you guys, too, is I feel like the Vikings always play better when they're in the underdog position anyway. And they're obviously mm-hmm. going to be – like, I bet you there's still going to be people on the Fox pregame or whatever uh, channel this is on that say, oh, 17 points for the 49ers. So – the Vikings will definitely enjoy hearing that and hopefully be able to prove them wrong. Mike, who, who do you think is going to win this game? Well, I'm going to do Steve a favor here. Whenever I call Vikings games, whenever I pick against the Vikings, they typically win. So <laughs> I have noticed that, Mike. I'm going to be honest with you. But... What's that? <laughs> I said I have noticed that, honestly, throughout the season, listening to your podcast. And yeah, stuff, yeah. So, so I, I think that uh, the 49ers, that the whole defensive line with all like number one draft picks, uh, I think they're going to swarm, maybe throw Kirk Cousins off a little bit, even though he well, has been playing better. And uh, I think that the 49ers just, uh, they've looked like the best team in the NFC all season long. And uh, I think that they'll just play really well on both sides of the football here. So for Steve, for your benefit, I'm going to pick the 49ers <laughs> to win and hopefully jinx them so that they don't. Guys, I, pre- I appreciate yeah. that, Mike. Steve, before you give your pick, I'll just give mine real quick. I All season... I have just thought in the back of my head, how the hell is this 49ers team so good? Like, with Jimmy Garoppolo at the home. Because he's not that great of a quarterback, and I always want to pick against them, and it never works for me. I so badly want to pick the Vikings for Steve here, but I am nursing a lead in our picks contest that Mike and I will go into later. So I got to just stick with the 49ers. I got to go with the favorite. 
I'm sorry, Steve. I hope I'm wrong because I'm going to be rooting for your Vikings. Yeah, we're both rooting for Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Again, guys, like, trust me, I appreciate it. Like, like I said, people were asking me last week about New Orleans. I was like, it's going to be – I just kept saying it's going to be a tough game, hoping that wouldn't, people wouldn't judge me if I – like, because I also probably would have picked the Saints if you had to put money down on – that game is sad as that is but i i I think i'm actually more optimistic about this game i think with the pressure like we were talking about before with cousins off and stuff and hopefully if we can establish cook at the same time i mean Diggs has to show up too so i i'm i am gonna go the vikings and i think it's gonna be super close throughout a battle pretty much back and forth with probably a score of 24 to 20 vikings yeah, I mean, here's a good stat line for you. The uh, San Francisco 49ers are not even in the top 10 for rushing defense this year. That I did not know that. That is definitely yeah, good for so, us. So, I mean, they're much better against the pass than they are against the running game. They're number one against the pass. That's that's tough. That's definitely tough for Cousins and our receiving crew. But Yeah, but they're middle yeah. of, the, of the league when it comes to rushing defense. And when your strength is just running it with Dalvin Cook constantly, I mean, you ran it for 28 uh, touches against the Saints, so I'm guessing they're going to use the same exact game plan, and hopefully it works out for you. Yeah, let, let's hope so. Go yeah, Vikings! Right. Thanks for coming on the show again, Steve. I appreciate it. Good luck to the Vikings, Steve. Of course. Thanks, Go guys. Home. Yeah. And you could be the one to dethrone the dynasty to end it. The two of them together. Yes. I mean, it's we'll never see this run again, Jim. Brady's pass, it's intercepted and returned for a touchdown by Logan Ryan, the former Patriots. The dynasty is no more. The New England Patriots lose to the Tennessee Titans in Gillette Stadium. I never thought I would be happy to see the Tennessee Titans win. Derrick Henry ran all over this Patriots defense. Ryan Tannehill did just enough with 72 yards, <laughs> passing 8 of 15. Uh, obviously, they didn't really need him to do much to get this win, but good for the Titans, good for the NFL other than the Patriots. Mike, what were your thoughts? I mean, this was – we all knew that Tennessee was matched up well against New England. A lot of people were picking Tennessee to win. Uh, I just didn't buy into the fact that the Patriots lose on wildcard weekend at home. <laughs> it looked too good to be true. And when I saw Tom Brady throw a pick – six to end the game when the Patriots were giving the ball. Granted, they were like on their own five. Yeah. But they could, could try, try to drive down the field in 35 seconds. Uh, <laughs> the fact that his last interception of the season and possibly his Patriots career, I say Patriots career because I don't think he's going to retire, uh, as a pick six, each. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was poetic justice for every other NFL fan base, though. It, everybody like cheered. When he threw the pick six when we were watching it, it's it's, party. It, 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 it's it's weird to like cheer for some another human being to fail, but that's what everybody was doing. Because <laughs> well, we've watched them succeed for basically our entire adult life. Yeah, so it, it's insane to see them lose to a Titans team who was ten and seven in the regular season. Is not like one of the best teams in the NFL. They were nine and seven in the regular season. Or, sorry, nine and seven. They're ten and seven after this win. Yeah. Um. So it, it was it was definitely fun to watch. Derrick Henry went off. 34 carries, 182 yards, one touchdown. That's 5.4 yards per carry. Um, obviously, he's turning into one of the best backs in the league. And I, I I, guess the question I have for Tennessee is, what the hell took you so long with that Derrick Henry? Like, you only gave him, like, half the carries all of his other years in the NFL. Finally, they decide this year to run him into the ground, and it's, it's working to perfection. Well, when you don't have confidence in who you have at quarterback – 
he focused more on the running back. And they had uh, Marcus Mariota for the beginning part of the year, and, and now they've had Tannehill, who's playing better, but maybe they don't fully believe that he's the guy. So you got to, when you're planning your game out, you got to go with the running back. and Yeah, you got to play to your strengths. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's great they're finally doing that, and they're a defensive team that can run the ball. That's their identity. That's mm-hmm. who they are. And this was most definitely a defensive game. I mean, six points total in the second half, which only was from that pick six. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's that, crazy. That, that's it. The, 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 all the scores were in the first half, and then it was just – I mean, I remember we were at the party uh, – Special shout out to our friend Molly, who turned uh, 26. Happy birthday, Molly. Yeah. Uh, we were at her place, and uh, I kept checking the score, and it was 14 13 for the longest time. Yeah. Must have been the most boring second half of football to watch. Oh, it, I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually glad we really didn't see that game live as, you know. Yeah, it would have been nice to watch the first half, but yeah. the second half, yeah. I'm not that sad that we missed it. The only thing I'm sad that we missed. Mike Vrabel had an amazing game coaching in this game. Did you hear what he did in terms of uh, fiddling with the rule book? No, I did not. So he basically – do you remember back when the Patriots played the Jets on Monday Night Football? And they were being about like 30 points towards the end of the game. And to run out the clock on the Patriots' punt, they took a delay of game. And then the next play, they purposely did a false start to keep the clock moving. Do you oh, remember the, uh, when... I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, and Bill Belichick that. had, like, this stupid smirk on his face. He's like, ha-ha, I found a loophole. And, like, Because <laughs> that ended up taking a whole other play clock off of the game clock. Um, so the Titans did the same exact thing to the Patriots at the end of this game, and that is why Brady only had 35 seconds at the end of the game. Another reason why people were so, uh, you know, picking up on the fact that the Titans could pull off this upset was that Mike Vrabel being the head coach Mm -hmm. and being a former Patriot himself, he knows the Patriots well and he learned from Bill Belichick. And so that's, you know, something right there that that he picked up on and used it to his advantage. And I thought it was really great. And like you said, poetic justice, it was, (laughs) it it really was. Yeah. And uh, can't hate on that mustache too. Mike Vrabel has like the perfect porn stash. Like Gardner Minshew has the best stash in the NFL, but Mike Vrabel's up there. Can you imagine though, if you told Patriots fans at the beginning of the season that they were going to have a playoff game at home and Ryan Tannehill was going to walk in as the opposing team starting quarterback and that team was going to beat you. Oh my God. They would have laughed. Yeah. Like they would have been like, no way. There's yeah. no way that would happen. Ryan Tannehill is garbage. And I, to be fair, Ryan Tannehill didn't do much in this game, as we said, 72 yards. So, but it is still an insane outcome. Uh, the Titans, they have a tough, tough matchup now. I mean, they just won a tough matchup against the Patriots, but this one is even worse. They're going to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, the Titans did not draw a good, uh, a good playoff path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a buzzsaw. Uh, you know what? This is going to be a very tough game for them to win uh, because. They do match up well against the Patriots, but I don't see them matching up well against Baltimore. Like their defense won't be able to stop Lamar Jackson. Like I, I just don't see it. Maybe the chance that they do have is they have all the confidence from beating New England in New England, and Baltimore hasn't played their starters for two, three weeks. Yeah, because you know, they didn't play. They didn't play in the last week of the regular season. They had last week off, and then they're playing. So maybe Tennessee can jump on them early. Maybe take a lead. And that would put their defense in an advantage, but the way the Ravens have looked all season long. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like, obviously, they're going to have to shake off some cobwebs. I imagine some of the starters are going to be a little rusty, but I imagine they've been taking that into account. They're going to 
be extra cautious on making sure the players are ready for this game. Mark Ingram coming back, he he's he's been a solid running back for them, and then obviously Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP. Um, I think the Titans are going to have to lean on Ryan Tannehill a little bit more this game. I don't think they're going to be able to just run the ball. Uh, but we've seen in flashes that Tannehill can carry this team. I mean, he beat the Chiefs mm-hmm. mostly with his arm yep. in a shootout. Uh, he's beaten some of the AFC South teams because of his play. So, I mean, it's possible. You never know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you sound confident. I, I, I honestly would be stunned, flabbergasted. I think I, everybody I, would be stunned. Find where yeah. you would, you know, Baltimore is the clear favorite in the AFC. And just Lamar Jackson is the MVP this year. Uh, John Harbaugh's a great coach. Not that Mike Vrabel's not, but John Harbaugh's, you know, a coach who's done it before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Think about this. John Harbaugh's been the coach of the Ravens since, I think, 2009. I think that was his first – 2008. 2008, I think, was his first season. Damn long time. His first season as a uh, as a coach, they were a wild card team that went all the way to the AFC Championship game. They lost, but they played every game on the road. This is the first time he's had home field advantage since he's been in Baltimore. This is the really? First time, this is the first time the Baltimore Ravens have had home field advantage in their franchise history in the – no, the whole playoffs. They've been the home team in like the wild card round, but this is the first time that they've been like on a first round bye and having everybody have to come to them. What's they're insane always is having to play on the road. Yeah, what's insane is the Ravens have always had a good team. It's just that's the difference. The AFC North has always had a good division, so it's hard for the Ravens to build up that really good record. Whereas the Patriots, they've been in the AFC East all these years, and mm-hmm. that's the reason why they've been able to steal that home field advantage from the Ravens all these. It had been 10 years since the Patriots played on wildcard weekend before last week. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Yeah. So, I, the Ravens are definitely need to take advantage of this opportunity that's been given to them. I, I, I think that the um, the line for this game is Ravens by 10. <laughs> so, I'm not the only one who's, you know, not believing in the Titans here. Uh, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a... Tall hill for the Titans to climb here. I think that if you're a betting person, uh, I'd stay away. I'd stay away from ten. <laughs> That's a tough spread. But <laughs> I feel like the Ravens will win this game and win this game. I think they'll control it right from start to finish. Okay. So uh, my score for this game would probably be somewhere around. I, I don't think the Ravens will score a ton of points because Tennessee does have a decent defense. But I would say somewhere like twenty four to. 24-16-17. I've, I've been noticing that in the playoffs, like sometimes throughout the regular season you see teams are putting up points like crazy. But I think once the playoffs come around, usually the scores are a little bit lower. I, I think every single game last week, the under hit every in every single game. Yeah. So I, I think defenses show up to play more in the, the playoffs. Uh, like there's just – it feels like there's more pressure on the offense in the playoffs, which causes them to kind of – I feel like ref, I also feel like referees call the game tighter mm-hmm. in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's also a contributing factor. Right. But also you, there's that mentality of do or die that yeah. you don't have in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So everybody plays tighter offensively. They, you know, you're a little bit more afraid of making a mistake. Defensively, you're a little bit more like I got to win this play. Kind Quarterbacks of are more nervous. Yeah, I, I could totally see like your reasoning there. I'm definitely going to go with the Ravens as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they win 27 to 20. I, I do think if I had to pick, I think the Titans would cover, but who knows? But in, in that regard, but I think the Ravens definitely win this game. 
and then they move on to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I agree, and it, it's going to be I, – I still think this is a fun game to watch. You can tune in uh, at 8.15 on CBS. Uh, I'm not sure if Jim Nance – Is that Sunday or Saturday? This is a Saturday night Saturday? game. Okay. This is 8.15, Saturday night on CBS. Um, I, I don't know who's calling the game, but if it's uh, Tony Romo, at least you know it'll be called well. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely my favorite broadcast uh, partnership of all of the the different channels. So yeah, see, I like Fox better than uh, you know than NBC and CBS as a whole. Like when I watch pregame coverage and stuff like that. But if I'm if I were to pick just two people to call the game, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Oh yeah, every time without a doubt. So it definitely should be a good one. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the Lamar Jackson show once again. wanted to give a quick shout out to a project that is very near and dear to the hearts of two of my closest friends, Boho Homo. Their mission is to attempt to understand the human experience and inject an uplifting and positive message into this crazy world that we live in. And you can visit their website to learn more about this incredible community organization at bohohobolifestyle.com. Explore endlessly. All right, so uh, we're experiencing a little bit of sadness around the Western New York area as the Buffalo Bills, in true Buffalo Bills fashion, choked away a rather substantial lead at halftime against the Texans in Houston at NRG Stadium. Like I said, lots of sadness in our household and every household around here. Mike doesn't seem too sad. I mean, he, he was the one that was the least sad, but he was also the most impactful uh, watch or fan watching the game that's right don't ever forget it <laughs> <laughs> and why was that like why, why was it so impactful for you well okay so i get off of work and i'm watching the game in my apartment for the first half because i you know we're going out somewhere because i'm such a picky eater i got my own little setup going so i got myself a pizza i'm eating it in my apartment and, you know bills are playing well it's you know 13 nothing by the time i show up here i show up here i hear loud cheers up i'm like oh cool so something else could happen and right as i get there they go up 16 nothing and then <laughs> Houston came back, <laughs> yeah, they and everybody looked at me like I was like the biggest bad luck charm there was, and I remember one particular play where I said, you know, I'm like, there's going to be a pick six here for the Bills, and Houston scored a touchdown. Yeah, and John's like, oh, if uh, if Houston scores on this play, I'm going to well, wait, I'm gonna slap you in the face or something like that. <laughs> yeah, kick you in the nuts, <laughs> yeah. throw you through a table, everything was thrown at me. And then that was when Watson scored the touchdown, so. Yeah. Now, what Mike hasn't told you... He and the guys left to go get some other food. Uh, Mike, knowing he was bad luck, went with them. Yeah. And guess what? The Bills tied to go into overtime. Yeah, we went to five guys to pick up food. We're like, oh, the game's over. So, you know, Drew hadn't eaten yet. And we're sitting there. We're watching it on my phone. And the employees at five guys, like, surround us to watch the game with us. And then this guy comes out. And it looked like he was, like, the manager. And I was like, oh, no, he's going to yell at his coworkers. And he's like, what's the score? <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting there watching it, and I'm like, Drew, they're, they're coming back. And he goes, you're probably not going to be allowed in our apartment. If, uh, nope, <laughs> if and I texted him immediately saying, in all caps, you are not allowed back in this apartment until the game is over. She actually spoiled the field goal because we were on delay. <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder if he makes it. You're not allowed back in our apartment. I think he made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so luckily uh, John had gone home. and So we went and watched the rest of his place. And I I have to admit I was really freaking angry at this game. Like Mike was shocked. He's like he's like, is this guy a Jags fan or a Bills fan? But I, what did I say? I told you Deshaun Watson makes some miracle play where he's supposed to be sacked, and he doesn't. And lo and behold, 
two Bills defenders mm-hmm. to completely whiff on a sack that would give them the ball back in overtime. And it basically gave Houston the game at that point. So I was really angry. Yeah, and that's after sacking him, what, seven, eight times earlier? I yeah. mean, his outline is not good. We we could we had him right there. Yeah. One mistake, man. That's all it takes when it's a game that close. And when you look at playoff games, there's always some kind of like dumb luck that either either good luck or bad luck that happens. And unfortunately the Bills are on the side of some bad luck. Like on the third and eighteen, they play you know, prevent coverage, Ugh. and they allow a first down. They were back too far. They played too far back. The three key plays were, were that third and 18 play, and when they had the blindside block, Holman, you're facing the guy blocking you. It's not a blindside block. Nope. And then, of course, the Watson escape play. And well, don't forget the delay of game that they missed. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember as we were watching, we yelled delay of game, and obviously the refs missed it. And, and I, somehow Houston didn't get a single hold and call that entire game. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it's it possible, sucks. but it's not likely. What was great was that we're, when we left the apartment, it was, you know, uh, they were still down by, th- they were down uh, 19, 16. And we were like, Oh, you know, that stinks. But, and I was one who was like, Oh, the bills aren't going to make the Super Bowl Anyway, who cares? And Drew's <laughs> like, Hey, these guys need like a playoff when like they've been craving it for 20 plus years. I was watching with my little sister who had just, Turned, uh, what, 23? Yeah, 23. She has never been alive for a Bills playoff win. Yeah, that, that's how sad it is. Like, yeah. like the Buffalo needs a win, and unfortunately, the, the, the Bills couldn't bring it to them. And not you can go ahead first. No, I was gonna say the other play though, that it was when we were gone, it was right after we left, we left right after this play where the Bills went for it on fourth and 23. And oh, it was yeah. just twenty-seven. Instead of trying for like a fifty-eight yard field goal. And it, I, I love what you said. You're like, why don't they trust Josh Allen on fourth and twenty-three? They can't he can't even convert third and three. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, how can you, how can you trust Joshua at fifty-eight yards when he ha- can't make anything over fifty yards? I mean it turned out to be the right decision. It, yes, it worked out. It but. worked out, but it, it wasn't an indoor game. It's not like they were kicking yes. the ball in Buffalo. They were kicking it inside. And his accuracy has gotten better than towards the end of the season there, so I, I don't know. Yeah, it was tough. And, and this this loss is all on the Bills' offense. I mean, I, I they had a great start, but the only touchdown they had in the game, Josh Allen didn't even throw. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he received it, Yeah, though. he, he was received part of it. Like, I, I was just, so pumped during that play. Yeah, the, like, the Billy this special. Is great. This is exactly how this game's gonna go. We got this. Yeah, but then they proceeded to score field goals for the rest of the game. And, and I don't know that's what the, the difference was from the first half to the second half, either though. I mean, the second half, you know, even though we were only scoring field goals in the first half, the offense was on the field. They were driving down. They yeah. were taking up time. The second half, we, we couldn't keep, keep our defense off of the field. They they're getting tired. The, they and, can't do it all. And Josh Allen, I think, showed his age a little bit in this playoff game. Yeah, he, he looked a little. Jumpy at times. Deer in the headlights in the second half. It, it the one, like towards once the, the end. Texans started coming back, yes. yeah, it was bad. And that that lateral, that oh, yeah, we're trying to lateral was so bad. Hard. I was like, what is what is this guy doing? But luckily, it didn't hurt you guys too much. But yeah, the, the Bills' offense—they're the reason that they lost this game. It's definitely so disappointing because throughout this entire game, I, honestly, I was excited. I was like, oh, Buffalo's going to be so happy mm-hmm. like this whole week. Everybody's going to be so happy, and, and then it just. Fell apart. Yeah. Well, I, I will credit the Houston Texans though for making appropriate adjustments at halftime. They really came out and really, you know, they were being outplayed the whole game. It felt like on offense and defense, and they came out and you know last year they went down twenty-one to nothing to the Colts in the wild card weekend at home, and so to go into halftime again down thirteen nothing, it was you know good for them for being able to rise up and come back and 
We know that Watson's a big playmaker. And, uh, you know, with the return of J.J. Watt, that really got the crowd into it. And oh, they it, wouldn't stop freaking talking about that. Every time J.J. Watt is, like, playing, that's, like, all they ever talk about. Well, you know, again, we got to <laughs> keep in mind at the end of the day, the NFL is a business. Yeah. He's one of the biggest names in the NFL. So Right. Yeah. Well, I did see, too, this was one of the top-watched games on ES, wild card games on ESPN in years. I think it was actually close and, and it's an interesting matchup. And, you know, and you can say Buffalo's a small market all you want, but They've got a we big are going base. to watch and not only the football, but we're one of the top viewers for, for hockey every year, too. I mean, Buffalo's a small market, but we watch our sports religiously. Well, it's a small market, but there's a lot of people from Buffalo throughout the entire country. I mean, if I, I don't know if any of you guys saw the um, poll that was taken on Twitter before the playoffs started for which state, like, who, who are you rooting for in your state? And Buffalo won the most states out of any team in that panel. That's insane. And that poll was taken. The Bills had the most states. I don't know by how many, but I, I saw the map and, you know, the Bills had Florida. They had most of the Northeast that wasn't the New England region. Um, and then they had some places in the Midwest, surprisingly. So um, that's why you can never think that the NFL would ever try to move a team out of Buffalo because Bills Mafia. We would riot. Yeah. You would. think we're bad jumping through <laughs> the tables now? We and this is when riot. a team has been bad for decades. <laughs> And their fan base is still rampant. So yeah. imagine if they were like a team like the Patriots, where it was a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Like th- th- this fan base would be insane. Yeah. So hopefully this team can start delivering. It's very disappointing to see year in and year out, but at least the positive is it was a ten win season. We, we, we got yourselves our way in, into the playoffs. Yes. It, yeah. There was no luck. There was no Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. You know. So it was. It, it was any time on Andy Dalton this year. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Bills clinched their playoff spot two weeks before the season ended. Yeah. I mean that was. And two of the last three years since you hired Sean McDermott, you've gone to the playoffs. Yeah. So and you, you got a young core team. This team has a bright future. And it looks like, you know, Tom Brady might be leaving the Patriots. So that dominance of the, the AFC East is, you know, the AFC East will be open for okay. someone to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, 90 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. So you guys got to go after some big free agents. I, we were saying that Amari Cooper, if he doesn't re-sign with the Dallas Cowboys, that'd be a huge sign. Amari Cooper, Melvin Gordon. Yep. Some people they might just go for. Right. right. Well, I mean, they have a back in Devin Singletary that I think they're going to probably Absolutely. stick with. I, mean, I feel I would, like his fan base would be pissed if we didn't. We love him. Well, it's it's being proven that paying top dollar for a top running it back is not, not the right strategy. And I don't no. think that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are looking for that type of no. guy. Not with the culture they've built, because like I said, they're doing this well without any big huge superstars. You know, they they piece the right players together to play for each other and work together, and that's how they're getting to where they're getting right now. Uh, yeah, I think the the Bills' biggest need is that, well, not their biggest need. Well, one of their big needs to bring them over the top is a wide receiver who's a big body and a game changer. Because mm-hmm. I know John Brown, he played awesome this year, but he's he's small. Cole Beasley's small. Mm-hmm. So when Josh Allen, it when you haven't. A quarterback who's not very accurate in Josh. You need someone who can reach out yeah, for it. You need someone where you can just toss the ball up deep and hopefully just have the guy get it. So I think Amari Cooper could be that person, or maybe they could find someone else. But I think that's one of their biggest needs. Yeah. We'll see. We, we also have a first round uh, draft pick, I believe. Oh, yeah, of course. 20 seconds. So yeah. hopefully we can get something uh, worthwhile out of that. Yeah. And you know who's going to be free agent this uh, offseason? A quarterback who does has proven he plays well in the postseason, Eli Manning. <laughs> Jeez. All right, moving on to Texans. <laughs> Texans at Kansas City, traveling to Arrowhead. Mike, what do you think about this game? Well, I think that the uh, little matchup predictor here on ESPN is kind of insulting to the Texans. They're saying that the Chiefs have an 81% chance of winning when the Texans went to Kansas City earlier this year and won. Yeah. Um, but I think that 
this will be actually probably the most exciting game of the weekend mm-hmm. as far as the, the close match between the two teams. Yeah. Um, I, definitely between in the AFC for sure. Uh, but I think that you've got Watson versus Mahomes. It's going to be a back and forth. I think it's going to be a shootout game because neither defense really is that good. But you've got a lot of weapons on both sides for Kansas City. They've got Hill and Kelsey, Mahomes. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is going to be playing uh, against the Texans this week for Kansas City. That's Unfortunately, true. he was uh, he was built during the season. He's not anymore. And uh, I don't know if everyone's healthy on Houston's offense, but you never, as you know all too well, Drew, you can't ever count Watson out. So and there's I, a difference, though, when you're playing against a quarterback who does the same things. And argue, some people would argue does them better. And if you said <laughs> to go down 13 nothing and a half against the Buffalo Bills, I mean, the Buffalo Bills can't touch Kansas City, if you ask me, this season. Yeah. I'd see Kansas City winning for sure. Yeah. I, I think so, too. Kansas City's a tough team to beat at Arrowhead. Uh, the only team that managed to do it was the Patriots last year. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think Kansas City is going to edge out Houston this game, but I do think it's going to be a lot closer than the 10-point spread that, I mean, Houston's a 10-point underdog. I don't think that they're going to lose by 10 points. Well, and for interest's sake, I, f- I hope the Chiefs win just because they would give Baltimore the biggest run for their money. Oh, I think as they beat them during the season, right? I, the I, Chiefs I, beat Baltimore? Or was it the other way around? No, the Chiefs beat Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. That would be a great matchup. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it would be the most exciting AFC championship for sure. I mean, no one wants to see Tennessee versus Houston. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no. I wouldn't even watch that game. I'd be like, oh, my nope. God. That's my biggest nightmare. Nope. I really hope that doesn't happen. No one wants to see Tennessee versus Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, or Houston versus Baltimore, for that matter. I mean, that, Baltimore beat them 41-7. to You're going to have season. a blowout or, like, the most boring matchup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so the ideal scenario is that both Baltimore and Kansas City win. Yes. And that would be fun. I, mean, I definitely see that happening. Yeah. I, I do, too. I, I think that... Andy Reid's biggest obstacle in the AFC was Bill Belichick, and that obstacle's gone, so we'll see. I'm pulling for Andy Reid, too, man. He's such a great coach, and the fact that he's never won a Super Bowl. Hopefully, he'll have a chance to do that this year. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Uh, the divisional round is definitely going to be an exciting one, Kristen. I'm sorry for your Buffalo Bills. They're always going to be my number two team, so I was very sad as well. But I understand. We can look forward to next season, right? Always next season. Yeah. yeah There's I'll, always next season, and both of our teams are, uh, well, your team, both both mine and Drew's teams are pretty bad, but your team was really good this year. Uh, yeah. And we have hope. We have more hope than I think we've had as a city in a very long time. So Yeah. We'll Tough schedule next year, though. So but hopefully sure we'll, we'll have talk some, about that, some new weapons, like you said, with that 90 million in cap space to kind of mitigate that. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Texans get the W, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully we have a good divisional round. Yep. You can catch that game uh, at 3 o'clock on CBS on Sunday. All right, so this was a weird one. Uh, the Seahawks, they def- they won against the Eagles 17-9 and what everybody expected to be uh, kind of a lopsided game. But I was surprised. The Seahawks did not look great on offense. What did you think, Mike? Oh, well, you know, this was the exact same score as their game earlier in the season. It was 17-9 with the Seahawks winning at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, I think we as a fan base uh, looking for a good football game were robbed when, you know, uh, Carson Wentz was taken out by Clowney, which some consider to be a very late and dirty hit. Um, I'd have to agree after I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I felt like the Eagles' uh, defense came out and played really well against Seattle. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson still played really well himself, and he was 18 for 30, 325 yards and one touchdown, but it didn't seem like they were able to really just – they just weren't scoring. Right. Uh, and, you know, they uh, – 
They didn't really rush that well. They only had 64 yards. Um, they had a lot of penalties. Seattle was really hurting themselves. They had 11 penalties for over 114 yards. Uh, but this was a very clean football game on both offenses. Neither team had a, had a turnover. No fumbles, no interceptions, nothing. And um, I think what surprised me the most was obviously Josh McCown coming in and playing decent. I mean, he won 18 for 24, 174 yards. Obviously, that was just a lot of short dump offs, just doing whatever he could to get any yardage. But I think the Eagles played better between the 20s. Like, honestly, they, they got into the red zone five times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no touchdowns. And they controlled the time of possession, too. Yes. So, like, the Seahawks, they won basically because they uh, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf connected for a huge play. I think it was, what, like a 50-yard touchdown or something like that. Like, it was – that was the biggest play of the game because, obviously, the Eagles couldn't come back. Yeah, Metcalf had 160 yards receiving and seven receptions, so he was big for Seattle on Sunday. I think that was the highest yardage total for a rookie – in playoff history. Um, I believe so. Yeah, so good for him, good for the Seahawks. I mean, obviously it's not the the greatest win. You're not, like, entirely happy because you you, you only beat a team led by Josh McCown by one possession. I mean, this, um, but this is what Seattle does. They, yeah. they, they win ugly games. Uh, they're 11-1 and one this year in one-score games. Yeah. In so. games that are decided by one score or less, which – isn't a thing. <laughs> They're eleven and one. Yeah. So well, technically, if it was a tie, then it's technically less than one score, mm-hmm. right? So there you go. Your logic makes sense. There we go. <laughs> um, but so the Seahawks, they they move on with the win. A W is a W in the playoffs. So they move on to play the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round at Lambeau Field. Yep. This will be the the uh, finale for the, the divisional round. It'll be on Fox at six forty. So it's a later start time than than normal. Um, the Seahawks and the Packers have met three times uh, in the past, uh, the last, and and they've all had some kind of highlight to them. I mean, you had. In Are you saying in the playoffs? They in the playoffs, three times. Three yeah. times. And the last time was at Seattle, and it was that famous game where the Packers had the lead the whole time, and they gave up that onside kick to Seattle. Seattle got the ball. They scored all their points in the fourth quarter, tied it to go in overtime, and they scored first in overtime and went on to win and walk off the, the game. And, uh, the other famous, really famous game was in 2003 when Matt Hasselbeck was the quarterback <laughs> for the Packers. This was funny. This is yeah, really I remember this. Yeah, yeah he, they uh, they were doing the coin toss for overtime, and Seattle goes, "We want the ball, and we're going to score." And Hasselbeck threw a pick six to Al Harris <laughs> at Lambeau Field. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely definitely bit him in the ass after all that confidence. But I honestly think the Seahawks—they're a better team than they looked against the Eagles. I think it's just they they struggled to travel to the East Coast. I feel like they always struggle with that. So this is more of the the center of the country. So and and, and uh, Russell Wilson went to college in Wisconsin. Yeah. So he's not going to be intimidated by the weather in uh, Lambeau no. Field. And the Green Bay Packers are a really confusing team mm-hmm. because their record is thirteen and three. They just don't feel like a thirteen and three team. No, they didn't dominate teams. They barely beat the Lions in the last week to guarantee the no, they the, had a bye. Yeah, like it's. Their offense just does not look as good. Aaron Rodgers, surprisingly, does not look as good this year as he has in the past. No. Um, and it's it's very shocking because we're so used to watching him play good football. The strength of the Green Bay Packers, when you when you take these elements, in the, the, for the past few, like, 10 years, it's been Aaron Rodgers carries the team. Yep. They don't really have much of a defense, and it had no running game. He's carrying the load. This year, if you were to rank Aaron Rodgers – 
the Packers run game and the defense, Aaron Rodgers is number three of those three things. Yep. Because this Packers defense is not like a shutdown defense. It's funny that we say Aaron Rodgers as opposed to passing game. (laughs) (laughs) We don't give the receivers any credit. No. No, why would you? Uh, No, I mean, he's he's had a a down year statistically from what we're expecting from Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, granted, he's getting older. Mm -hmm. He's getting older, but the Packers defense creates turnovers. They don't shut teams down necessarily, but they do create turnovers, and they're an opportunistic defense. Um, The Packers are 7-1 at home, 2-0 in their history against Seattle in Lambeau Field in the playoffs. Uh, So this is going to be an exciting game uh, to watch. I think that, you know, it's – I think this is going to be a really close game. You know, Seattle's plus four right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And – you know, a lot of people are giving Green Bay the, the edge here. A lot of, like, 66% of people expect Green Bay to win. Um, just real quick, we'll go through our uh, our pick standing here because this is the last game we're picking up the uh, the divisional round. Last week, you went 2-2. Two and two. I went 1-3. and three. <laughs> I was already trailing you in points. You're at 69 now. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. And uh, I'm at 66 because I only got two points last week. You got four. Yeah. Um, so, so, th- so for this for the divisional round, if you pick the favorite, you get three points. If you pick an upset, you get four. So earlier, um, we picked the same. Right? We picked Kansas City uh, for the that matchup. We both picked Baltimore, and we both I picked believe, the 49ers. We both picked the 49ers. Yeah. So for this game, I think this is the game where we're going to be picking different teams. I think just like last week where I picked the Texans. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I'm going with the team, the home team here. Uh, so I, you know, I, a gut feeling is telling me that Seattle might might pull it off, but at the same time, I I have to catch up here. And I think you're going to pick Seattle, so I'm picking Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to pick Seattle, uh, and solely the reason is right now I believe in Russell Wilson more than I believe in Aaron Rodgers. Fair so, enough. I, I mean, right yeah. now he's had a much better season. Yeah. So like these, these are two very close teams. It's going to be a very close game, and I'm going to take Seattle. I was a betting man. I would have also taken Seattle plus four, as I said earlier with Pat. So hopefully Seattle helps me extend my lead against you even longer. Because we picked the same across the board of the other games, though, if Green Bay wins this game, I take the lead. Do you take the lead? Did you say I have a three-point lead? Yeah, you're at 69. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm at 66. So if I get this right. How many points did you get? I would get four. Oh, that's right. So I'd have a, a one-point advantage. Damn. Okay, so this is a huge game. Yeah. So I yeah. Just, I, I'm a big uh, Green Bay Packers fan this weekend. Damn. Okay. Right, <laughs> yeah, this this is making me nervous now. At first, I thought I wasn't going to lose the lead even if I lost this game. Yeah, I mean, we talked earlier about how in the AFC we really want it to be Kansas City-Baltimore. For me, the way I want this to shake out is I want the matchup to either be Minnesota versus Green Bay in the NFC Championship or – San Francisco versus Seattle. I want it to be a matchup of the two division rivals. Yeah. I, I don't think Green Bay versus San Francisco would be fun because San Francisco beat Green Bay like 37 to 8. Yeah. And I, Seattle, Minnesota was only competitive for one half, and then Seattle blew them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Seattle versus San Francisco would be a fantastic game. It feels like that's what it we've been building towards times. the whole season. Yeah. And Green Bay and Minnesota are always close. Uh, Coach Zimmer always – plays against Aaron Rodgers really well. So um, I know that that game would have Steve really on the edge of his seat. Yeah, <laughs> man. The Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I think of all the teams left in the NFL now, the only team that, like, 
we have like a closer friend with that has their team in the playoffs is Steve. Well, I, I have so the interesting both of thing, us. Yeah, yeah, both of us. <laughs> right. okay, yeah, I, I have uh, family who are big Packers fans, yeah. but also I have family who are big Vikings fans. So I think that would be actually kind of fun. Um, but everybody else's teams is that they're all out. So the the Vikings are the last ones left. Um, so it'll be interesting. We're I'm picking Seattle. Mike's picking Green Bay, and uh, that closes out the divisional round. Go Pat, go. All right, so bringing on our degenerate analyst, Pat McMahon. This will be our final college football segment of uh, the season. Uh, the national championship is on Monday, January 13th at 8 p.m. Uh, it is the Clemson Tigers versus the LSU Tigers. It's a huge matchup. I honestly think these were the two best teams in the bracket, so I was happy that it worked out this way. Mike, are you excited for this game? Yeah, and I, I, I'll, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm, I think the Tigers are going to win. <laughs> All right. It's a bold <laughs> prediction by Mike. Pat, Pat, what do you think about this game? Yeah, like you said, Andrew, I think probably the two best teams. You know, I know there's a lot of Ohio State fans upset that some calls didn't go their way. But I also thought, you know, Ohio State kind of killed themselves with penalties. And uh, Clemson was, you know, opportunistic. And, uh, you know, that's always something that winning teams can do, take advantage of the other team's mistakes. So that's what got them here. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to be an awesome game. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be a little closer than, than most people think. But uh, it'll be a great one for sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hope it's a good one. I mean, it, I feel like the last couple uh, national championship games have been pretty solid, right? I mean, Alabama-Clemson was obviously where the participants in both, and they were pretty close, right? Uh, well, last year actually got a little out of hand. Clemson ended up beating uh, Alabama pretty bad. I believe it was by 29 points. Oh, geez, um, okay. never mind then. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be a lot closer this time around, though. Well, Pat, we saw in the in the playoffs that Clemson had a really tight game with Ohio State, but LSU just completely blew Oklahoma out of the water. Now, I am I, of the mindset that Ohio State is better than Oklahoma, but that was pretty telling to me of how strong LSU is. Or, do you think that LSU is better than the Alabama team that Clemson played a year ago? Oh, yeah, I think they are without question. Um, I mean, when you look at, like, the numbers, Joe Burrow and, and LSU's offense as a whole put up, it's insane. You know, he broke, broke all these SEC records, touchdown passes, yards, you know, all, all those, all that stuff, total touchdowns, you know, records that Cam Newton held in his uh, national title season in 2010. Um, so this is, without a doubt, you know, a better team, a better opponent for uh, Clemson this time around. And I also don't think Clemson is as good as they were last year. Um, they had that elite defensive line where they lost all four stars to the NFL. I mean, they still have some some good players on that D line because you know it's just a, a team filled with four and five star recruits. But but they're not as talented this time around. So it's going to be a long day for the Clemson defense, uh, you know, to face this elite LSU offense. What do you think is the biggest uh, uh, factor in this game? Like like what does LSU do so much better than Clemson or vice versa that's going to give them the victory? I honestly think they're pretty evenly matched um you know i think we got the two quarterbacks in the country you know burrow obviously the most impressive year very deserved heisman trophy win and then you got uh trevor lawrence who's just the clearly the best like most uh nfl ready best pro prospect and really you know showed up when it counted in that game against ohio state and also you know both teams have elite receiving cores uh with lsu you know probably the best in the country uh, with, you know, uh, Jefferson, Chase, and um, Marshall. And then, all, you know, all those guys are going to be within the first two, three rounds of the draft. And then, this, you know, uh, Clemson has a pair of guys, Ross and Higgins, who are banging 
that Ohio State game. But, you know, I think getting that extra week to get healthy will be huge for them. So I think – and I think both defenses are not as good as they were last year. So I think these teams are kind of mirror images of each other. And um, I think we'll see a lot of scoring. And I think it comes down to, you know, who can kind of for- – who makes a mistake or who forces the other team into making mistakes. Um, in my eyes, I think the turnover battle is kind of the biggest key to watch here. I think whatever team, um, you know, turns takes care of the ball more uh, is going to end up winning. Well, you always, we always end up talking about, you know, whenever it comes to championship football, whether it's college or pro, about the quarterback matchup. And it's clear that Burrow had a much better season than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Burrow had 55 touchdowns, only six interceptions, and threw over 5,000 yards, whereas Trevor Lawrence threw over a little over 3,000 yards, had 36 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So both stat lines are really good, but Burrow's was much better than Lawrence. Against but, better competition as well. Against better competition, exactly. But people still seem to think that, like you just said, Lawrence is the more NFL-ready quarterback. He's the more clutch quarterback. If, if Trevor Lawrence is able to play outplay Burrow in this, uh, do you think that if he were to go for the draft, do you think he'd be taking over Burrow right now, or do you think people would still be high on Burrow from the stat line he had this year against the competition he had? Uh, well, so Lawrence is uh, actually not eligible for the draft. He's only a true sophomore, so he will have to uh, wait another year. But I think – so I think they're both clearly the number one guy in their draft class. Like Burrow will be the top guy this year, and, and Lawrence will be in 2021. Do you think if Lawrence was eligible, though, do you think he'd be taking over Burrow? If that were the case, if, oh, you're, gotcha, if you're gotcha. eligible and, and he wins this game, do you think he'd right. be taking over? I, I do think so, yeah. I, I think, yeah, oh, if he's eligible, I think no question. Just the tools, he's, he's taller, you know, got a stronger arm. They're both insanely accurate. Um, got better hair. <laughs> yeah, better hair, exactly. It's um, insane because Trevor Lawrence doesn't look like he'd be that great of a football player. <laughs> doesn't make it yeah, all right. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, no, I, I do think Lawrence, is. if he was eligible, he would go would go first uh, overall for sure. Okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, Pat, if you had to make a definitive pick, uh, we, we know that LSU is favored uh, minus six. It's moved to minus five and a half. Um and, and ESPN's matchup predictor by the fans is saying that 55% think that Clemson's going to win and 44% think that LSU's going to win. So they're not going with the stat line. Yeah. They're not going with the line. That supports your, your notion that this is going to be a very close game. Who do you think is going to win this? I So my official pick, I like LSU here. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. But I think that Clemson covers uh, that, that six or five and a half. I think LSU by three or four is my, my official pick. But – so that's, you know, looking at the line there, I'm, that's not going to be a game I'm going to bet on. Uh, I'm going to be heavily rooting for LSU, though, just because I love Coach O. Like, how could you not love that guy? He's probably the coolest man in sports. But uh, I do like the over. Um, it's 69 and a half. I know it's, it's a lot of points, but, you know, you saw how easily LSU covered that over against, uh, against uh, Oklahoma. And, you know, without Oklahoma really holding up their end of the bargain – but I think Clemson's offense is much better. And, you know, we've seen during the regular season, LSU uh, has trouble defending some good teams through the air. So I, I, I kind of think this is like a 41-38 type game. So I like that over 69 and a half. That, that's insane. Like the difference between college football and NFL in terms of hitting the over-unders is so, is so drastically different. Yeah, if you saw oh, yeah. over under at 69 in an NFL game, you take the under – Every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this it is crazy. I mean, but this year in particular, it's it's a little – they've been a little higher. I th- I'd say usually they're more in, like, the 50s. But, yeah, um, which is still higher than NFL, obviously. But, yeah, uh, th- this should be an awesome game, you know, with, with the amount of points it's expected to be scored. 
Well, I was just talking to Mike about it too. I feel like during Wild Card Weekend, didn't every single game go under? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so uh, moving on to your NFL picks for this week, do you think any of them are going to go under? Do you think are you doing any over unders? What do you What do you got? Um. Yeah, I haven't. You know, really, I'm not. I'm not too uh, enticed by any of the totals. But a couple, um, you know, spreads I like here. I'm going to take the Ravens minus nine and a half against Tennessee. Um, you know, I, it's, I hate to be on, you know, such a publicly bad team like Baltimore, but I do think people are going to like Tennessee's weekend. You know, you knock, you knocked out, uh, you know, the Patriots, the dynasty team. Um, but obviously so much had to go into that game plan. You know, Baltimore gets a whole week of rest for, you know, Lamar Jackson, this great backfield and, you know, powerful Baltimore offense. So I think even if, and, and we've seen Tennessee outside of, you know, last week they did a great job defensively, but even some of those games they were winning, um, you know, down the stretch, they still gave up some points. So I don't see how they really slow down this Baltimore defense. Um, so I think the the Ravens will win by double digits here. Um, and then the other one I like on Sunday, um, I'm going to take the Seahawks plus four. Seahawks have been such a frustrating team for me. I always was <laughs> betting against them all year. Did they, you take the uh, last week? I did not. Thank God. I, I just stayed away from that game in general. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, to me, I could see this is kind of a coin flip game. Um, I think it's going to be close regardless. I actually, I really think, like, Green Bay is going to get out to a lead. But then, you know, Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league at playing from behind. So I think um, they're going like, to stay within a field goal or, or maybe win, you know, on a last second field goal or, or touch, touchdown. So I like the uh, Seahawks getting four points here. Yeah, I mean, the the Seahawks' defense hasn't looked amazing. I mean, they, they looked good against an Eagles team that was led by Josh McCown, but, I mean, that's not that hard to do. But against this Packers team, who who has proven that they can put up points, I totally get uh, why you would think that the Packers are going to jump ahead early. But I think I agree with that plus-four pick with the Seahawks. It's uh, I know you, you've lost a lot of money on Seahawks games this year, but I think this is the pick. Yeah, I mean, the one time I go, you know, I, I go with them. I'm sure Wilson's going to let me down, but, you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully that's not the case. All right. Uh, just uh, real quick, Drew, uh, you know, Pat, we heard Pat's pick for the uh, national championship. Who, you, who do you think is going to win? Uh, I'm going to pick with uh, – go with the LSU as well. I, I I really – doesn't affect my life at all who wins this game. I have a close friend who likes LSU, but I have this gut feeling that Clemson's going to pull it out, so I'm going to go with the Clemson Tigers. All right, man. Yeah, I mean, Clemson, they have a – They've been winning a lot lately. It is crazy to think that Trevor Lawrence has not lost a game of college football yet. Like, that's just absurd. So, what the hell? It would not surprise me at all, Mike, if they pull it out. Uh, I was going to say, I feel real good about my pick now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that was our degenerate analyst, Pat McMahon. We always love having him on. And uh, when he gives us his insights, he's picking LSU and Coach O to be victorious on Monday. And, uh, Pat, I hope you enjoyed the game. I know how much you love college football. Thanks, man. Yeah, it'll be a great one. Uh, just real quick before we go, Mike, I just wanted to point out to you, I was talking about Andrew this a while ago, all my blind faith in the Dolphins finally paid off in the long run. I completely forgot. I, I bet them over four and a half wins in the regular season, and they pulled it out against the Patriots. Like, who would have thought that would be the – that they <laughs> the beat Dolphins New England, who's playing for a bye oh, to get their great. fifth I win wish, of the season. <laughs> I wish you had remembered that while the Dolphins and Patriots game was going on because you would have been so much more into it. Yeah, well, what happened was I had taken the Carolina Panthers over seven and a half wins, and I knew that was a bummer. So I was like, I checked. I was like, oh, that's going to hit my account. And then I realized, like, it, I didn't really go 
any and i was like oh why is that i was like oh it's because i took the dolphins so they won <laughs> nice all right well pat i mean as you all know he is a solid sports better he will give you wins every single week thanks again pat all right thanks for having me guys all right, so the NFL has uh, had some action going on that is not involving the playoff teams. Uh, teams that have been looking for their head coaches have uh, started to land some guys. Um, most notably, the Dallas Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy, former uh, coach at the Green Bay Packers. So uh, Mike McCarthy has some experience winning uh, in the Dallas area. That is where the uh, that's where Super Bowl Forty Five took place. He won his uh, Lombardi Trophy down there. So the Cowboys are very excited to have uh, someone other than Jason Garrett coaching them. Uh, somebody with an actual, like, you know, resume. I think that was the best hire that they could have made was Mike McCarthy. I agree. Uh, but he's not uh, – I, I know Skip Bayless on Fox Sports, who's a huge Cowboys fan, was not that excited about Mike McCarthy because he's like, he's not exciting enough. Like, you know, he's just like the boring, put your head down, do the work kind of guy. But if he gets you wins, then who cares? Exactly. <laughs> um, the Redskins, we knew this before the playoffs started. They hired Ron Rivera. Uh, and uh, Coach Rule from Baylor – was hired by the Carolina Panthers. He was who the New York Giants wanted, but he asked them to uh, beat the Panthers' offer, and they refused. So he took the Panthers' job, leaving the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns to still hire their coaches. Cleveland is still looking, but New York has officially hired their next head coach. I texted my dad, and I said, the Giants have hired their next head coach. And his response was, who? And I wrote back, who is right? (laughs) They hired uh, Joe. I can't even know Joe. I, his name's escaping me now. Joe Judge. Joe Judge. We had a conversation about Aaron Judge. Yeah, Joe Judge. They hired <laughs> Joe Judge, who is a. He's been on the Patriots staff for the last eight years as the wide receivers coach. This year, he was the special teams coordinator and the wide receivers coach. Yeah, he must have had a great interview. Uh, I think <laughs> I think he's in the New York market, and his last name was Judge. They liked him. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Let me ask you this: Would you have preferred this or Jason Garrett? I feel like at least with Jason Garrett, I can say he's been a head coach before. I mean, this guy had no experience <laughs> at all because that was the only other speculation was either Judge or Garrett. Well, it, it, Garrett is who they want for their <laughs> offensive coordinator. They asked the Cowboys for permission to hire him as their offensive coordinator. I know. It's, so, oh so that's God. not so. Jason Garrett might be on the New York Giants staff in one way or another next year. I don't know if that's karma for all the shit that you taught. What what, what were we taught as kids? We were taught that in order for you to get a job, you have to be qualified. And lately we're seeing head coaches in football, like, because even last year, you know, there were people who were hired, like Cliff Kingsbury was hired as the Arizona Cardinals head coach. And he had a losing record in college football. Uh, Matt LaFleur was the offense coordinator for the 27th ranked team on offense in the NFL last year. And he got the Green Bay Packers job. And we see that it's worked out so far, but still. Uh, you see the president of the United States got elected having no experience. <laughs> People don't have to be accountable for these People jobs don't anymore. have to be, yeah, you don't have to be qualified to get in, yeah. into, you know, into the presidential office to get elected into com- Congress. You have people like AOC who got, you know, she was a bartender. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's hold off from the politics. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm saying in general, like life in general right now, like what are we seeing in this day and age yeah, that yeah. people across the board are getting jobs that they don't qualify for? Yeah, no, that's definitely true. It's like in the office when Phyllis says, you know, Michael wasn't qualified for the job he has now and he got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think you would have been happier if the Giants hired Jeff Fisher. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, no you wouldn't. Okay. No, I mean, here's the thing. This guy... Joe Judge, I almost said Joe Rogan because I, I, I think that would be better. <laughs> He'd at least bring some excitement. Yeah. Uh, 
press conferences will be funny. I have absolutely nothing, no idea what to expect. Yeah. I mean, all I can hope for is that John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator before he became head coach of the Ravens. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at it. So, you know. I mean, coaches have to break out at some point. But, right? Bill Belichick coaches don't tend to work out. The only thing that – what this guy has going for him is that he worked under – these are the two head coaches he's worked under in his career. Career. Uh, <laughs> he worked for Nick Saban at Alabama. And then Bill Belichick. And then Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's a good, good deal. So he's been around good people. He's learned from the best. Yeah, so is he going to be a QB wizard that's going to bring uh, Daniel Jones to the next level? I don't know about that. Uh, is he a defensive mind that you wanted that's really going to focus on bringing this Giants defense who has been really bad to the next level? No. Yeah. Is he going to help Darius Slayton become a better receiver? Probably. Is that what the Giants need? No. No, <laughs> no so it's just it, – talk about just – all in all, being sad, I thought 2020 would start off with, like, I was hoping for an exciting hire like Coach Rivera or Mike McCarthy, something. <laughs> and this is just like, why? It really brings you into the next season with a really sour taste in your mouth to start. You know, like, hopefully he proves you wrong. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. This guy has done absolutely nothing wrong. He applied for a job. He got an interview. And he got hired. Like, good for him. He's going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Like, but he is just, everyone's going to be crapping on him because he has absolutely no experience. Yeah. As, as a head coach. And he's the head coach of the market with the worst media. Like, yeah. the, the roughest, toughest media is the New York media. Hopefully, he can handle questions better than Pat Shermer. Oh, God. If he can do that, he's already. Anybody can do better than that. <laughs> your bobblehead on your desk. Could do better than that. Yeah, that's your scorpion could do a good job. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Mike's uh, a little sad right now, but who knows? Time will tell. Maybe he's going to be a great coach. Maybe he's the next Bill Belichick. We will see. Yeah, he's the 19th head coach <laughs> of the New York Giants, and I have a feeling we'll be looking for the 20th pretty soon, but hopefully not. Mike is optimistic. All right, well, thank you guys for tuning in to the Divisional Round of Podcasts. Uh, we have a lot of fun each and every week doing this podcast, and we will definitely be continuing this after the NFL season. But for right now, we're going to enjoy the rest of the NFL football slate that is in front of us. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and take care.